0: The lives that have been changed in the few years that we have been here and when we come together as a church, it's our tithes that offers that keep the doors open, that keep this place open so that all the lives that have came through these doors that have been changed. We get to be a part of that body. We get to be a part of those that have seen so many get their lives set free from drugs and alcohol, addictions, things that they thought they could ever come back from families being restored. What a privilege it is to be, get to be a part of everything that we have seen God do in these last few years. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for your word, God. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are always the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, we thank you, God, Lord, for your presence, God, in this house. God, we thank you, God, Lord, that your presence, God, is always here, God. It's always thick, God. Lord, God, Lord, that you're always moving. God, we thank you, God, Lord, that you are due to depend upon God. And we give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The presence of God is thick in this place this morning. If you will, we're going to start with First John chapter 4, in verse 4, but I'm going to, before I begin to read, I'm just going to, we've been reading Exodus as a church, starting Sunday, we started um, with Exodus, was it Sunday or was it Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday. We decided to start to read Exodus again. And I think about the story of Exodus. The people that were in Egypt, they were in Egypt, they were in bondage. They had been in bondage so long that they didn't even realize really how much bondage they had been in because it had been their paradigm, it had been what they were used to. Uh, they had been used to living in Egyptian bondage for so very long. And when God sent Moses to set them free, and God began to speak through Moses to set them free. The first thing that Moses did, Moses automatically had a love for his people, even though he had, he had not been raised in the same houses of the people. He automatically had it, he was not a perfect man, but he was a man that had a pure heart, he was a man that loved his people. And he, he was already, before he even stepped into the place of being a deliverer, I've said this before, he already had the heart of a deliverer because he, he saw one of the Egyptians beaten and, and bullied one of the Hebrew slaves. And before he even got himself completely sanctified to do what he was called to do, he it was in to try to help his people. It was in because he had a love for his people. And so We see that after they come out of Egyptian bondage, and they were going through. And Tilly had texted me yesterday about them turning back to their idols, and and all those things. And Tilly was like, I think they may have had separation anxiety. Um, um, and but as they were coming out, guys, it's it's it. The enemy is not going to chase after you when you're in. It's when you're coming out that the enemy begins to charge at you. And as they were just doing what the enemy wanted them to do, everything was cool and it was smooth uh, as far as long as they were slaves. But when they began to get set free, then the enemy began to come towards them and chase after them, wanting to bring them back into the bondage that they had just came out of. And the problem with the people was is that, is that even though he was not a perfect man, he had a love for his people. But the problem with a lot of the Israelites is they didn't have a love that they were supposed to have. They didn't have a love for him. Uh, they didn't have a love for God like they should have had because they had been raised in this Egyptian lifestyle, this Egyptian bondage so long. A lot of them had been raised from the time they were a child all the way up. Uh, they had been raised in all of this stuff. And the generations before them may have that were raised... During the time of Joseph and all that, they may have they may have had some of that real um, you know godly love and stuff in there, but they had been in this place for so long that all they knew was what they had experienced in Egypt. And so we learned how to love, and we learned how to, to truly l- let people in and to love by being loved. And so they had been in this place so long that they didn't really comprehend what it meant to truly love God and to truly love each other the way that they should have. And so we see here that as they're coming out, I'm sure that when they got to the place of the Red Sea, they were like, man, this is worse because now they're going to kill us. They're following right behind us. There ain't no way. He's led us to a dead end. This is getting bad. This is getting heavy. This is getting... They, and, and so they were constantly doubting uh, Moses. They were constantly uh, doubting him. They were constantly saying, man, we should have just went, been left there. What are you talking about? It, it was a constant complaining and grumbling and complaining and grumbling and complaining. Because they didn't have confidence. And what's so crazy is, I told, we, I would Talia texted me, I said, they were supposed to remember everything. She was like, why do you think that God said he closed Pharaoh's heart or hardened his heart? And I said, because God already knew what Pharaoh was going to do before Pharaoh ever did it. Because God is all-knowing. He's been throughout time. He's always been there. God knew Pharaoh would not let him. Uh, did not want to let them go, didn't have the right heart to, but he knew that Pharaoh was very selfish and so that if, if if God made it hard on him immediately, Pharaoh would let him go just to save his own skin. But not because he wanted to do the right thing. So God allowed Pharaoh's heart to be hardened and he allowed Pharaoh to hold them even longer than he normally would have just let go so he didn't have to go through stuff to show the children of Israel how real God is. He did that to show them how real He was by doing these miracles, doing these things in front of them to show them that they were fighting for Him, that He was fighting against their enemies. And then He told them to, you know, tell your children this, repeat it to them all the time. The festivals that the Jewish people celebrate, it, it was a reminder of everything that God had done, so they never forgot yet. We see that they still constantly forgot. The next battle that came up, the next thing that ensued, they would they forget what God had just done before. No matter how many things that they were let out of by Moses, they would turn on Moses, boom, at the drop of a hat again. Until Talia said, do you think they had uh, self, uh, separation anxiety? I said, I think that they were spoiled brats. I said, I think that they just—they didn't love God the way that they should have. They didn't, they didn't have respect like they should have. And they didn't honor the man of God the way that they should have. And so because of that, a lot of them never made it to the promised land. A lot of them, it said, died in the desert. A lot of them went to to the place that it's like every time that something else came up, they turned. They turned. They would be good, they'd be happy, God would bless, and they would get through a battle and they'd be rejoicing and praising and all that. And then the next thing you know, another another thing comes up and they're furious again, they're mad again, they're they're chewing out and fighting fault with Moses again, they're and they're blaming God again and they're all upset, and then God comes through for them again. And then it's the say it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Love, hate, love, hate, love, hate. Why? Because as long as they were listening to the enemy, the voices they listened to all throughout. Him, that's the reason they suddenly build as long as Moses went around for five seconds, they're all suddenly building one of the idols that they used to worship. Because it's easier to think it's the devil could so, he could so mess with our minds. He can so mess with our heads. And if we have pride in us, if we we don't have love the way that we're supposed to love, then the enemy can easily deceive us. And he so easily messed with their heads, making them think that they were doing the right thing by doing the wrong thing. And so because of that, it took them so long to, to even get to the promised land at all. And, me, and many of them did not get to the promised land because they ended up having to die in the desert. Some of them died because their old families it had to make a choice between doing what's right and following God or or going along with the ones that were not going to do right. And so uh, he said, hey, choose you this day. Is it me or is it going to be them? And he said, okay, now go kill those that are, that are trying to turn a, a, a everybody into idolatry again. And so we see in that situation that I watch every time I ever read uh, the book of Exodus, I, I feel sorry for Moses because no matter what he does, they complain. He, he could do no Right? He could lead them through miraculous things. They, they, can see, they can see God's hand upon him. They can even see the that God's face and sh- his spirit shine upon Moses. They see and they know that Moses has been with God, but yet they doubt every single thing along the way. And was he perfect? No, he was not perfect. Was he a man of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did he get frustrated? Absolutely. I would have probably got frustrated way faster than he did. But did God get frustrated? Absolutely. Even God got frustrated. Sometimes we judge people for being, for doing things that even God don't judge them for. Sometimes we get, we're we so hard on people that we judge them for things that even God wouldn't judge them for. I'm sure there was Pharisees that, that uh, well, we know there was because he came against them, that judged Jesus for running through there and said he was losing his temper when he was uh, knocking all the tables over. But there's a righteous anger that comes to people. There's a way to do things the way that, and these children of Israel, they didn't realize that Moses had a direct line with God. He had had an experience with God, he had spoken with God. God had given him the wisdom to do what he was doing. And so instead of trusting him, they were fine as long as everything was going okay. But let me tell you something the journey from Egypt to the promised land is going to have giants. It's going to have the enemy try to come back and fight you against you. It's going to have things that you have to go through. It's going to have seas that have to be parted. There's going to be things that you have to go through to get to the promises of God. But we've got to learn that God gives us people to lead us for a reason. There is a reason that God used Moses to lead them out. Not because Moses was a perfect man, but because Moses had a heart that he loved people. He loved people. And he would obey God. He obeyed God regardless of how it looked and regardless of what he had to go through. He obeyed God. So First John 4, 4-6 says, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. These people belong to the world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them. But we belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Dear friends, let's continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. And so we see here when, it, 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 when it's speaking, it's, there's something I want you to pay attention to. It says that if they were hearing from the right spirit, if they were hearing from God, they would listen to what was said. But, but we know who's got what spirit by what who they listen to. Because listen, let me tell you something, guys. There are voices out there all over the world. You've got voices every in every part of your life. You've got people that have, have in your families. You've got people outside of your workplaces. You've got people out there in the world. Not to mention the enemy's voice that gets in our head. The voice of our emotions. The voice of our flesh. Where there are so many voices out there and there are so many thoughts and there are so many things, how do we keep ourselves to, uh, with ears to hear and to, where we listen to the right voice and we recognize that who is speaking is speaking from God. One, we've got to look at the fruit of their life. We've got to look at the fruit of their life. In other words, if somebody doesn't have a good marriage, I don't want them giving me marriage advice. Why? Because if I'm going to take marriage advice from you, then I want to see a healthy marriage. If somebody is running around and they don't have their family in order. I was reading uh, where it talks about the elders of the church and and, and what we have to do. It says, have your family in order. Have your family in order, your marriage in order, your children in order because you've got to run God's house. If somebody's children are not doing right and they're not serving God, then I don't need them to lead me to tell me how to get by to serve God because they didn't work well. If the Spirit of God is not moving it's somebody, there's a lot of people that have, in other words, let me say it like this, there's a lot of people that have head knowledge, but they don't have life application, spirit field, life knowledge. They know the Word of God, they can quote the Word of God, they can say the good things, but what was the difference between the Pharisees and Jesus and the disciples? It was not knowledge of the Word, that was not the difference. The Pharisees knew the Word of God. They had it memorized, they had the Torah, they knew it by heart. The difference is the signs, wonders and miracles. The difference is that Jesus said they were running around casting out devils. They were running, they were healing the sick. There was power behind them. And he said that they were like whitewashed tubes with molds inside. They looked the part. He said they have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the very power that can make them godly. They look good on the outside. They look like they're real good. They're real good Christians. They're real good. But where's the power? Because when the the Pharisees came against Jesus, they said, oh, he just cast out devils because he's full of the devil. And Jesus said, no, I can't cast out devils if I'm full of the devil, because a house divided against itself cannot stand. So they began, really what they did is they did something that was very bad. They began to call the works of God the works of Satan. And that's very dangerous. The Bible says that how will God uh, show that he's behind the message? How will God show that he's behind the person that's bringing the message? It said because when they preach the word, that there will be signs, wonders, and miracles. There will be people that will begin to be changed. There will be things that begin to happen. Demons will cry out. There will be a supernatural change. Anybody can preach something. Anybody can say something, but where's the proof in what they say? A lot of people can give good advice, but but is their life showing the advice that they've given? And so we hear all these voices, but God gives us people that he, to lead us and to teach us truth in all things. But the Bible says that some people just can't hear. Some people will not listen because they don't know God. And a lot of people will say that they know God. But Jesus said that if you, if you are in me and I am in my Father, that when you speak, I'm speaking through you. And if they don't listen to what you say, they're not listening to what I say. And if they don't listen to what I say, they're not listening to my Father. We can't say that we serve God and we love God and hate those that carry his anointing. We can't say that we love God and that we're listening to God if we rebel against those that God places in authority. God has always worked the way that God's always worked. He does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has always used people to help lead other people. But if we are in a place where we can't hear the voice of God because we think that we know everything, it's always amazed me how Somebody can start studying their Bible, and suddenly they're a Bible scholar. And they're like, well, I've been reading the Bible. And I'm like, well, there's a, a lot of people that read their Bible. There's people that know the Bible better than Christians that are demonic. Some people read the Bible to, just to try to disprove the Bible. But if they could have, it would have already been disproved many, many, many years ago. Obviously, the Bible cannot be disproved, or somebody would have tried to, because there's many, many haters the Bible says, how's another way that you know if the truth about God is Is if they have haters? Jesus said, listen, if people hate you, if they say all manner of evil against you, if people are always coming against you, hey, they did the same thing to me. I don't even want to follow somebody that don't have haters. If everybody likes them, but nobody talks about them, but nobody does, they're not doing much for the kingdom of God because the kingdom of darkness is not trying to tear them down. So you look and you see. I remember as a kid watching my grandparents and watching their marriage, watching the way that they were. There was no jealousy uh, between them. There was no animosity between them. They worked together in the kingdom of God. They worked together to pastor a church. He was proud of her. She was proud of him. They were. They both respected each other at such a level that even as a child, I thought, man, I want that. There wasn't no overbearing, you're going to do what I say, and I'm a man, and there wasn't no uh, fighting it, and her bickering and hollering. That stuff didn't go on. And I remember thinking to myself, this is what peace is supposed to be. This is what it's supposed to feel like to walk in a marriage that is designed by God. I watched as their children respected them. And I thought, man, I want that. I want that in my life. And I thank God that God gave me that in my life. But I had a great example to follow. But being raised in the church world, I also saw many, many, many religious people that didn't have all that it together. They could talk a good game, but their life wasn't together. Their families weren't together. Their marriages weren't together. Their finances weren't where they should be. And so they can say good things. And there's even a scripture where Jesus says, listen, in the Pharisees, some of the things that they teach are good. He said, listen to the things that they teach us from the Bible, but don't be like them. And so God teaches us, who do we listen to? We listen to those that we see and know that the call of God is all their life. That there is anointing and there's power in them. We see that there's lives changed where they go. Where, what, where they go, what has happened has people's lives have been radically changed. One thing that I'm proud of is if you knew, if everybody in this church wore a sign that said what they were and what they came out of before they came here. People could truly see the miraculous power of God in this place. Has God healed? Um, has God healed MS and, and cancer and all those other things in this church? Absolutely. But one of the greatest miracles that God has done is He has took some people that were the that the, their minds were completely mentally confused and dark, and they were had been diagnosed with everything under the sun, and He has made them into godly, Holy Ghost-filled believers. That's the sides that follow. They've gotten somewhere. I've seen children that, did, that were raised up and didn't have good parents. They didn't know how to love. They didn't know how to serve God. They weren't raised in church. I've seen them now grow up into men and women of God that know how to love, that know how to have a, a godly marriage. They know how to be godly parents. It wasn't because it was mimicked to them in their, in, in their life as they were younger, but it was mimicked to them in the church. And they learn to listen to God. So how do we know how to listen so that we're not confused? Because listen, guys, I can tell you as as a pastor, I can tell you I have watched so many get to the point of deception. I can remember one time I was up here preaching a sermon and right in the middle of the sermon I said the devil is talking to somebody right now as we speak. And he's telling them to run off and leave their spouse. He's telling them to run and get out of church. And I said, that is the voice of the enemy. Do not listen. Little did I know that at the exact same time somebody was doing that exact thing. I didn't know that. But the Holy Ghost knew that. And you may think, man, with a warning like that, you would think people would listen. They don't. And we'll get to why. We'll get to why. We see in verse 13... And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and that He lives in us. What is the proof that we live in Him and He lives in us? His Spirit. And the Bible says when we receive the Spirit, we'll receive power. A lot of, I was telling somebody this the other day, a lot of people think because they do good things that that means that, that, that they're good to go. They, if they, they think that if they, if they do good things and they help people or they've done something good or even you prayed for somebody, man, and they cried and they felt something and, and all that, we think, oh, that means I'm right about everything. I don't know why, but we think if God uses us at all, that we're right about everything. If God waited for somebody to be right about everything, God could never use anybody ever. Just because God has used you before doesn't mean you don't need to be taught. It doesn't mean that you know everything. It means that you can still learn. We are ever learning. And ever coming to the knowledge of the truth, we are ever learning. And so you are ever learning. I'm ever learning. But I've been serving God faithfully for many, many, many years. And God has, has blessed and he has restored and he's healed. And I, and he has proven himself through the years that I've learned more and more and more about God. The more that God has proven everything that he's done in my life. And even though I'm ever learning and I'm ever coming knowledge to the truth, through every battle I've faced, through every battle that we've went through, through every attack that the enemies came out, we've always come out victorious. We have never, ever but not being victorious. Those of us that started this church in the beginning, man, we fought battles. We've had attacks. We've had the devil try to destroy. We've seen him rip people away and them get messed up and confused. And we've saw horrible things happen. And we've seen them get in a place. But you know what? No matter whatever happened, God always kept us. He always kept us. The sad thing is the part of mourning those that were led astray by the enemy. That's the most broken thing we've ever had. God has never taken his favor. He's never not blessed. He's always blessed. And the sad thing is, is that when the enemy comes in and attacks, God always redeems and brings us back better and double for our trouble. He always has. But the thing that is, hurts the worst is watching it. I don't know how Moses fell, but I know how I fell. Watching those that have to die in the desert. Watching those that don't get to make it in. When the Spirit of God is on us, there will be proof that the Spirit of God is manifested in your life. It will not only be signs, wonders, and miracles, but it will be. It'll also be the blessings and the peace and the unity that follows you in your home and with your children. It'll also be that uh, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding that you walk through when you go through things. a and Tracy were talking about that the other day. That is, th- these are some of the things that you see on people's life. You watch them and you see, how do they get through that? How do they handle that? It was because the Spirit of God was within them, and He held them through every single thing that the enemy tried to bring against Him. But it is to do that, we have to learn to be people that are hearers. We have to hear if we've got to know what voice to listen to. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. It goes on to say those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to the others. I was laughing as we were reading the Bible last night because I thought about why this was in the Bible. And I thought because the enemy has been the same forever and the church has been the same forever. Why did, why, did, why did he say this and put it there? Why? Because he knew that people would bring accusations against church elders and leaders. Why Because he knew that's the devil's first straw all the time is to try to find fault with the elders of the church. Try to find fault with those that are leading. Why because the Bible says strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. If we could bring, bring accusations, so he's telling them, hey, do not bring accusations against, do not talk about, do not say things, bring, unless you've got two or three eyewitnesses that saw them do something, don't tear down the, why? It's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because when you talk about people that are leading other people, then, then it, and it gets out there, then what you do is you begin to hinder people that could come there and get set free and delivered. Could you imagine if Jay would have heard a rumor about Chip when he first met him that was horrible, and he would have never gotten here to get set free? Why? Because then they would have planted seeds of venom, the Bible calls it. They speak venom out of their mouth into people. And it's not just attacking God's anointed. What it's doing is attacking anyone that hears the lie and the rumor. It causes them to have doubt. It causes them to begin to not trust their leaders. So then if we don't trust the voices that are called to lead us, we begin to start listening to every other voice. That love and that trust, when it gets violated, that's how the enemy gets us every time. Let's say something to make people doubt the leaders so that they don't follow their leaders. And so he says, hey, don't even listen to an accusation. And guys, listen, you ain't got to say it. If you listen to people that are doing those things, then you are just as guilty. Why? Because we should shut it down. We should shut it down. Why? Because it's vital. You may hear it and you may be able to get past it, but this baby Christian will not. And there could be, every bit of it could be a complete lie. Is there false preachers? Yes. Is there false people? Yes. But let me tell you something. I want to say this again because there's so many people that are so hateful towards God's people in the church. Let me tell you something. If there's ever a counterfeit, it's because there's a real thing. If there's ever a counterfeit, there's a real thing. And there is reason that the enemy brings in counterfeits is to cause people to doubt the real ones. Then they don't go to church anymore. Then they say, oh, I don't trust churches. I don't trust preachers. I don't trust people because there's a counterfeits out there. Guys, there is generic things, too. That don't mean you don't say, well, I don't trust that this is really Calvin Klein because there's off-brand Calvin Klein. There cannot be a counterfeit unless there's real. And maybe I have a better, maybe I'm better at 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 trusting in what God's Word says. Maybe I'm better at trusting in the church because I grew up and I saw the real thing. But I know that there's a real thing and I know that it works. I know that following works. I know that if you listen to people and follow them as they follow Christ, it works. I've seen it work my whole life. And so I've always been confident in the way that God says to work in His Word because I know it's the only way. The Bible says there is safety in listening to godly advisors. There's safety there. Why? Because when we begin to start, the enemy tries to put discord, it tries to put thoughts, it tries to bring accusations against God's people. It causes us to begin to doubt and push away, and then we don't have trust. Guys, we've got to love and trust. How do we keep the voice of accusations out of our ear? How do we keep ourselves to listening to God and knowing it's God's voice that we're following and not another voice? Well, let me tell you something. God's not bipolar. God don't change His mind from one week to the next. God don't tell you one week, man, I love it, I love it, I love it, and the next week, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. That's not God. When God begins to speak to us, we're in a good spirit, we're feeling God, we're on fire for God, we're living better than we've ever lived, and if God speaks to us, it will be confirmed. It will be confirmed by those around us. When it's not God... It's something that's all of a sudden something flips. That's not God. God don't work that way. God is a God of order. He's a God of divide order. It says that those that be sinned, and what it's talking about right here is I was reading like three or four different commentaries and they were talking about what it's saying is if you bring accusations against an elder in the church without the two or three witnesses that that's a sin. Because you're messing people up and it says you should reprimand them in front of the whole church. People ain't ready to live biblically. I'm telling you that. People get offended if you tell them they're wrong about something. They're not ready to be reprimanded in front of the whole church. And they're like, oh, that should be secret. That should, you shouldn't do that. Well, there's, you need to read the Bible because there's many, many times they said call people in front of the church and reprimand them. Why? Because he tells you then it will serve as a strong warning to others. There's times that either when we get it disciplined by God, God uses it toward others. And let me tell you something, the discipline that we've been seeing people get from God lately has hurt us. When God brings discipline and judgment, you will not rejoice if it's against, even if it's your enemies. Because when God really brings judgment, man, it's it's so, it, it makes your heart break. Chip and I, for the last week or so, our heart has been broken by people that were enemies against us. And what we have saw happen to their life. Chips were repeated over and over again. Oh my God, oh my God, can you imagine this? I'm like, quit saying that. Why? Because when you love God and you love people, you don't ever even want to see your enemies be destroyed. You don't want to see bad things happen to other people because love covers a multitude of sin. When you love somebody, even when they hurt you, you still love them. There's a deep love in your heart for them. And you may be, you're, look, you're human. You may get your feelings hurt. You may be upset. You may be mad, but you still love them. And you'll still be right there in a second to help them. And we've done great at that in our church. I've seen it so many times. Our church has gathered around, and, and we've took people back in and loved them. John chapter 13, verse 2. It was time for supple. The devil had already prompted you to set aside Iscariot to betray Jesus. Then we're going to go to verse 13. 13 to 13. You call me teacher and Lord and you're right because that's what I am. Now go to verse 18 through 20. I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but that, this fulfills scripture that says, The one who eats my food has turned against me. I tell you this beforehand so that I, so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now, we're going to get to that. He was talking about Judas right here. And it's funny because Greg was preaching about Judas Wednesday. Was it this Wednesday? Yeah. Greg was giving a message about Judas this Wednesday. And he was talking about... Where Judas got to at this place? John chapter 12, now go to verse 27, 13, 27 first. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him, and then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. Verse, now go to chapter 12, 3 through 6. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That before that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciple's money, he stole some for himself. Go to the next verse. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. I want to get to a point right there. He makes a side note. He said that Judas is sitting there, and he said the one who was later going to betray Jesus. And we see right there where it all began. And Greg was talking about that. We see there, where did it start? Judas did not allow himself to love. Now, listen, I don't know the backstory of Judas But maybe Judas came from a home that didn't know how to show love, didn't know how to express love. Maybe Judas came from a place where he never really knew what it was like to get super close to people or let people really in and genuinely love them. But we see right here that Judas didn't really love. He was judging Jesus. He was judging the way that Jesus allowed people to come and worship him he was judging them we that's what this it, judas didn't get to a place all of a sudden he was with jesus all the time guys let me tell you something if somebody can walk with jesus every single day and see the lives touch people that were changed people that read to him, the people that he loved and helped and that they could flip on jesus eternal them, they could definitely do it to you prepare yourself for that It wasn't because Jesus did anything wrong, I can grant you that, but because Judas didn't truly love Jesus. When he saw people being good to Jesus, he began to fault fight. And he began to say, oh, he shouldn't let them love on him like that. He should give all that money to the poor because, of course, Judas knew how to be better than Jesus did. Jesus cared about it. See, because when the enemy messes with us, he never messes with you and says, you know what? hate them, and do ugly, terrible things. He makes us self-righteous. He makes us judge self-righteously. We suddenly think that we're hearing from the Lord and we're hearing from God. Well, we think that this should be done better. We think this should be done better. Well, I think this has not been done right. I don't think that they've done Man, walk a mile in their shoes. Let me tell you something. One thing you don't want to do is judge people that are serving God and loving God with all of their heart because if you judge them, you will be judged by the same judgment. Man, I've had, had to eat crow with that before. I've had to eat crow with that before. Of judging how I can do it better, how they don't know as much as me. And then I, you know, I think that's why God made me pastor. I think it's because I was like, well, I wouldn't do that if I was pastor. The Lord was like, well, all right, then we'll see. And I was like, God, I'm sorry. And I can remember when me and Chip first started pastoring, we came up with situations that I had very, very arrogantly said, oh, I would do this a better way. And it came down to it, and I thought, Oh, now I see why they, had, they struggled with this. And I said, well, you know what, I'm going to do the right thing because I ran my big mouth and I'm going to do exactly what God told me to do, no matter how, whether it's hard or not. It came, it came in a place where you're scared, you're worried, you're worried about how you're going to pay the bills on the building, all the bills of the church, and what, oh my gosh, blah, blah, and you have to stand regardless. But Judas got to where he began to start. He started uh, nitpicking, the fall fighting, how everything was done, how everything was handled. Guys, when we get in that, that is a spirit of judgment and offense. And love doesn't work that way. Have you ever seen the churches where you have people, they're like, uh, we want to know where every cent of our money that we give at tithes and offers is going. <laughs> have you ever heard people say that? I've got to know exactly where my money is going. Well, it's not your money, it's God's. If you want to know, I want to know because I don't even know. Somebody was telling me something about the paying their tithes the other day, and I was like, you know what, buddy? I don't even know, honestly. And I can remember when somebody left, and they were like, I pay a lot of tithes in this church. I was like, do you? I didn't even know. And so I called Gage, and Gage was going to remember this, and I said, they got bad left the church. I said, I pay a lot of money. I said, did they pay a lot of money in tithes in the church? He was like, they paid decent amount. I was like, okay, but I didn't even know. Why? Because we made a decision a long time ago, we don't want to know. We don't want nobody saying, oh, you treat them better because they pay a lot of money. We don't want to know. And you'd be surprised, some of the people that look like that they don't give a lot, give a lot. But you'll see them in a few years that they'll look like they gave a lot. So you don't ever know. Somebody can come in here in an R-body suit and be greedy as all get-out. Somebody can come in here dressed in just a pair of blue jeans and Reebok shoes. What? I'm just kidding. <laughs> they might be a giver. <laughs> that was funny, wasn't it? That, uh, so we see we see here that they, that's where it started off with Judas. Judas began, he wouldn't let little things out of him. It don't have to be greed. It don't have to be buddy. It could be little things. It could be the fact that you don't let yourself get rid of insecurities. And so that insecurity begins to talk in your head. It can be that you don't get rid of pride. You don't get rid of arrogance. You don't get rid of little bitty things in your life. And those little bitty things will cause you to not have your love pure. We see this in relationships. If you get in a relationship with somebody and you get married and somebody's still struggling with past issues uh, and insecurities and somebody cheated on them and they had this issue, they bring it into the next issue, mar- the marriage and they can't love each other correctly because they're damaged. They can't love each other correctly because they've got issues they didn't deal with. And so then there's a wedge between them. Well, listen, it's the same in the house of God. It's the same in God's house. We can't trust. We have a hard time trusting pastors maybe because our parents let us down. We have a hard time trusting godly leaders because maybe we had another godly leader that let us down. We have a hard time trusting one another because church people let you down. So we start building up these walls and we have these issues and then it's hard for us to love completely and let ourselves really love people because we don't get rid of our issues. But the problem is if we don't learn how to truly love each other, then the enemy can always come at us and trick us with a spirit of offense. He can always begin to talk to us and us hear the wrong voice because we're too busy listening to the judgment voice and we're not listening to the voice of love. We've got to learn to love. Man, if those people would have just loved Moses and realized that he had dedicated his whole life to get them set free. Hey, Moses had already escaped that place. He went back there to help them. And man, he took on a bunch of mess he didn't have to take on. A bunch of mess he didn't have to take on. Moses had already gotten out of Dodge. Why are we here every Friday night? It's not because me and Chip have to pray ourselves through every Friday night. We already fought that battle. We're here because we're choosing to fight and pray you out of everything. We're choosing to go back into the lies. And do we have to make the devil mad at us all the time? Yes, we do. But do we have to because of ourselves? No, we, we might can live a normal life. But we couldn't because he'd chase us down. And we'd be out of God's will. But No, we choose to fight your devils. Even though they try to fight us back because they bad. Because we choose to get you out of Egypt. It's worth it. The journey's worth it. When I look at Jay, I think, man, it's worth it. When I look at Rebecca, I think, man, it's worth it. When I look at Ashley, I think, man, it's worth it. Everything that we had to go through to pull everybody out of Egypt, it's worth it. It's worth it. Because there was one time that we were slaves in Egypt, too, and we remember what it was like. 1 Timothy 6, 2 through 9. Have I done that one yet? No. No, wait. Yeah, yeah. 6, 2 through 9. If the masters are believers, there's no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping others, believers who are well-loved. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, and these teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments, ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. What does he tell them? He says, Timothy, these people need to listen. Make sure that people listen to what you're teaching. And he said, these people that want to argue about every little thing, and they want to quabble and quibble over every little thing, these people are causing divisions. They're causing issues. They're 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 messing people up. He said, they're arrogant. They think that they know more than the ones God's anointed to do the job. They lack understanding. This person, they have an unhealthy desire to quibble. They have an unhealthy desire to find fault. This stirs up arguments. Eating in jealousy, it causes division, slander, and evil suspicions. It makes people start to be suspicious about people they shouldn't be suspicious about. I, these people are always causing trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet true godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth. So true. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can take nothing with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation, and they're trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that will plunge them into ruin and destruction. These people, he's talking about, look, there's people that they, they they think that the blessings of God come with money. Let me tell you something. God does not bless you in the way God you think that God blesses you. If God blesses you financially, it's because he knows that you're a giver, and he knows you're going to support his ministry, his house, and help other believers that are in need. God don't raise up superstars. God don't raise up big old huge time prophets that have built thousands upon thousands upon thousands of followers. God does not raise up superstars. He doesn't. Why? Because there's only one superstar, that's Jesus Christ. God don't raise up superstars. You may say, well, there was evangelists and prophets back, the, back, you know, 75 years ago that had hundreds of thousands of followers. Well, I didn't live back then, so I don't know how they lived. I don't know how their life was, but I know some of them ended up dying as alcoholics. I know some of them ended up dying very young. I know that a lot of things, that a lot of fights that they took. Let me tell you something. We're not if we're preaching the true, full gospel of Jesus Christ at this day and age, in this world we live in right now. If there is, I'm telling you right now, you better listen to what I'm telling you. If there, if people, if the Bible says, "Beware of the whatever everyone speaks well of," beware of the whatever everyone speaks well of. If the world's loving them but eating them up, that's a problem. If backslidden people are loving them and eating them up, that's a problem. If people are watching them and listening to them and they're not getting convicted and they're not mad and the devil's inside of them are not uncomfortable, there's a problem. God don't raise us up to make us anything. God raises up himself and he wants to be raised up. That's it. If God does use us, it is only because people need us. In other words, let me say this. If there's somebody in need, God will look for somebody that he can use to help that person in need. He may pick you. You might not have everything exactly right in your life. Everything might not be perfect. I'm not talking about living in sin and you'll have to have a pure heart. But that don't mean all of your theology is just perfect. That don't mean all of your thoughts are just perfect. That don't mean you're super mature in Christ. But you might just have a pure heart. God will grab you and use you to help that person because he needs a vessel to use right then and there. But don't, let that, don't ever make that think that you are something that you're not. Because the truth of the matter is, the vessel is just a vessel. It does nothing for anyone. It is only what's put in the vessel that helps other people. And a lot of times, God anoints us just because we're the only one around. <laughs> Well, God, why did you use me to pray for that person that had been healed of cancer? Because you had a pure heart. You were living right. But it ain't because you're some great healer. It don't mean you could go to everybody at Walmart and then get healed. It means that person had faith. That person needed healing. He looked for somebody that he could pour his spirit into. So he used you because you were there. That's it. There's no superstar Christians. That's not the way it works. Second Timothy, two. Second Timothy two. Twenty two through twenty six. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace, and enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who op- oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn truth. Maybe they'll come to their senses and escape the devil's trap. For they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Man, there's been so many times that we have tried to help people escape the devil's traps. So many times that we've spoken to people and we've warned them and we've warned them and we've warned them. And they don't listen. Because just like Judas, there's a time to where they haven't made their mind up completely. Let me explain to you how it works, and I want you guys to really listen so that you don't fall away and mess up here at the end. Am I telling you right now that we're perfect? Absolutely not. Do I tell you right now that I know for a matter of a shadow of a doubt that I'm right with God? Yes. Do I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm ready to see Jesus? Absolutely. Do I know for a matter of a shadow that I hear from God? Absolutely. He's never steered me wrong. He's never steered me wrong. I've never given a false prophecy. I've never told somebody something and it didn't happen. How do you know? How do you know if you can believe somebody back up how they live, what their life looks like around them, and you look back up at the things that they've said? So can we trust that God talks to us? Absolutely. Because I've got enough fear of God. So many times that we would try to talk to people about Satan's traps. But they knew more than us. They wouldn't listen. And there's not been one time that we've ever warned anybody that it didn't happen. And that's a fact. And those of you who have been going here for a while, you know it's the truth. Because you begin to see it and walk through it with us. And you've seen it happen over and over and over again. Same trap, different person. Because what happens is we begin to get to pray. We begin to get on the right track with God. We start giving our life to God. God begins to start taking some things off of us. But then we always get to a place to where that strong man, that stronghold, that thing about us that's been there forever and don't want to let go for nothing, it begins to fight back as hard as it can. And it begins to make the people that are trying to help you become your enemy. The people that can cast it out and walk you out of it, it begins to make your emotions feel hatred and anger and, and and rebellion towards the people that God has sent to help you to pull you out. The same way they did Moses. And so what happens then is you make a decision. You're toyed back and forth between listening to the voice of the enemy and then God will move and you'll listen to God's voice for a minute. Then you'll listen to the enemy's voice for a minute. Then you'll listen to God's voice for a minute. And for a minute, you stay kind of tossed in between both worlds and you, you had not made your complete decision yet who I'm going to listen to. But you can see it happen when you're in ministry. You can see it happen every single time. The day that they make the decision that they're going to listen to the devil something flips something switches immediately their spirit feels different immediately everything about them changes and they go from loving you hate you loving you hate you loving you hate you that's what happens to hate you immediately they forget everything that you've ever done for them they forget every prayer they forget every tear they forget every counseling session they forget everything you poured into them and immediately it's just anger and then they're gone And there's not one time that that's ever happened that I've seen God's church fall. But there's every time that I see it happen that the people fall. Even though a bunch of them said, I'll destroy this church. Remember how many said that? I'll tear this whole thing down. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like the Lord. But we've actually had it said... Quite a few times. And these are people that at one point we were laid on the floor with their puke and their tears and their snot all over us, and we were praying them through. That all of a sudden they're going to tear the place down. Why? Because at some point they allow that spirit, that thing that they didn't let get rid of, they allow they they, they finally quit the tug of war and they give in. Why? Because most of the time it's generational curses. Most of the time it's things that's been rooted in their life for a long, 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 long time and it's refusing to want to give up. And we're the enemy because they know that if they get in here and they keep coming to this church, they'll get free. So make them bad, Make them irritated. Make them have a fence. Make them do that. Guys, I'm here to tell you we're in a war for your, our souls and our children and our marriage and our life And we're coming down to the very end of the battle. And you may not choose to listen to a voice of truth. But let me tell you something. I can promise you this. If you know God, you'll know God's voice. And you'll know who God speaks through. You'll know it's the voice of God. And if you don't listen to those that you know because you've seen, Jesus said, how will they, Jesus said, if you didn't want to believe that I'm in the Father, you should at least believe what I say by the signs and wonders and miracles. He said, at least believe what I say by what you've seen me do. Church people, it's not going to be one person. It's not going to be another. It's going to be every person. They go through the place in their life to where they make a decision to either submit this part of my life to God and obey or either not. Submit this part and obey or either not. In each channel, in each way we go through, we get to a place where either we can either hightail it, run, or either we can grow. That's why we have the saying, grow or go because that's what ends up happening. We end up letting loose and getting free or either we end up back down. And so we've got to learn, if we're going to escape the devil's trap, how do we do it? We learn to love. If we truly love one another, the enemy cannot turn us against each other. I can tell you why, and I can tell you this. I've said this so many times. I said there was times that I was that in my life that I got lukewarm, and, I, and there's a time that I even backslid up on the Lord. But I never turned on anybody that was in ministry. I never did that. And I thought to myself, why? And I thought because I knew how to love. Because even though. They I didn't I, I would get mad or I was hurt or whatever. I, I I knew how to love. And I also was taught the fear of God. Not to ever come against God's anointed. I learned the fear of God. And so no matter what happened, I kept my mouth shut. And I was smart enough to know that I was not the one of the right, even though my feelings were offended. That there's times that were not right. That's crazy. Isn't it? it says, "Hopefully they'll come to their senses and escape the devil's trap." That's what we want. We want to escape the devil's trap. And let me tell you, so the church—he has every single one of us. He has traps set up. Every single one of us. None of us are too big for our britches that we don't. We cannot fall for the enemy's tricks. Titus chapter two. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. What is a sinful pleasure? Anything that gives your flesh pleasure that's sinful. Anything that controls your flesh. Turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom. With righteousness and devotion to God. Go to the next one. While we look forward with the hope of that wonderful day when the glory of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from the kind of sin and to cleanse us and to make us His very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. You must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary. So don't let anyone disregard what you say. This is He was teaching uh, Titus, said they got a pastor over a church. He says, "Hey, you've got the authority to correct people." So don't let them disregard what you say. Let me tell you something. The strangest phenomenon that I've ever experienced pastoring a church is why church people get offended when they're corrected. Because I'm thinking that's the whole point of discipleship. Is to be trained and taught, and when you're doing wrong, to correct you so that you get yourself in the right motive. But listen, guys, if we're so prideful that we can't even listen to correction because we think we're always right, then we're undisciplable. We can't be discipled. We've got to get to the point to where we realize that if we're corrected, there is a reason for that correction. And guys, if you can't trust anybody to correct you but your old self then there's a problem. We have to learn how to listen and be corrected. And if we think that we don't ever need correction, then we're fooling ourselves. We have to learn how to listen to people. And he says, don't let anyone disregard what you say. You've been given the authority to correct them. I have noticed so many times that there's some people which you correct them one time and they're gone. One time you tell them they're wrong. And they're gone. Well, they they would have been gone anyway. Because you can't make people become sheep. They have to become sheep. That's why the Bible says, if they knew me, they would listen. To my people, to what my people say, that my prophets, it's through the Old Testament all the way to the New, he says over and over again, You rejected what my prophets said, you rejected what my prophets said, you wouldn't listen to my prophets, you wouldn't listen to my prophets, you wouldn't listen to those that I sent toward you, to sit toward you. Let me tell you something, there is a spirit in the world right now. Why am I telling you this? One, because the Holy Ghost gave me this message. Two, there's a spirit of the world right now that tells people not to listen to anybody. They, use, they twist the scripture where he he's, where uh, Paul has literally prophesied the Catholic church. And he says there's going to be people that come up and want you to follow them and call you father and teach you a gospel different than our gospel. Don't call anyone father. He wasn't saying that you can't have people because all through the Bible, there he talks about having spiritual leaders. And Paul and Timothy, and Timothy he thought of as a son, and Timothy thought of him as a spiritual father. So that's what, what he was saying. He was prophesying. That there's going to come a time where you're going to have fathers. Don't listen to those people. And there's an ongoing thing right now that we've got the Holy Ghost to teach us in all things and all righteousness. That same Holy Ghost teaches us to submit to authority. That same Holy Ghost teaches us to listen to other people because we will get ourselves messed up because the enemy is smarter than you. And you may be able to help Sally Joe. But you can't help yourself sometimes. Because when the, we are the ones in the middle of the storm, we can't see the deception. So we have to have people to guide us. And let me tell you something. Pick the people well. They may have biblical knowledge, but are they walking in biblical Freedom. Do not take advice from the ungodly. Do not take advice from people that haven't been freed. They might know how to get free, but are they free of themselves? Because there's a difference with having knowledge and walking it out. I can tell you how to get somewhere, but have I ever drove there myself and arrived? I can. T- some people can tell you what the Bible says, but have they lived it? Have they got the victory? Man, if I'm going to follow somebody, I want to follow somebody who walks victorious. I'm going to follow somebody who has finished it, that their life has now been fixed. I'm not going to follow somebody who's in just as big a mess as I am. I wonder how many people go to marriage counseling that their marriage counselors are having marital problems. They're trying to counsel that They're going home, but they're having issues. They don't know because they don't know them. But they'll go to them because they have a degree. They've studied it. They've studied psychology, but they ain't learned how to live it. They ain't learned how to apply it to their own life. See, I didn't. I've studied psychology, sub. You know, I study everything. But you know who taught me how to do marriage counseling? The Holy Ghost. You know what taught me how to do marriage counseling? God fixing my marriage. It We we learned how to, to walk out what the Word of God says. Not because I've had a, I have a degree in, in, in sociology and all these things. It's because God has blessed and taught me to obey His Word. He taught me how to pray. I don't want somebody that can't, that can't get their prayers past the roof to tell me how to pray. You don't have to pray that hard. You don't have to pray that strong. Well, my prayers are getting answered. I'm getting free. I'm getting delivered. You may say, you ain't got to dance like that. You ain't got to be that crazy. Well, I'm walking in freedom. I've danced my shackles off. I've learned how to praise when the anointing arrives. I've learned how when the Ark of the Covenant comes in, I've learned how to give God every bit of the praise that He deserves. And you may say it's a little bit foolish. And you may say that we act a little bit silly. And don't you think there's a little bit too much of that? Well, let me tell you something. There ain't a little bit too much of it because I've been redeemed and set free. I've been changed you know what, there may be people that you say, oh, that's just a little too much. You you, don't, you think that you have to be just a little too on fire for God. Well, let me tell you something. That I've walked in it, and I've walked in it, and those that have followed me are set free. And those that have followed me as I follow Christ, their marriage is blessed. Their families are blessed. Their finances are blessed. They walk in peace. They walk in joy. So you can tell me all day long that it's too much, but I'm telling you I'm living here blessed and highly favored. People have tried to lie. They've tried to destroy. They've tried to attack. They've tried to destroy a marriage. They've tried to attack my kids. My kids are Holy Ghost filled and walking in the anointing. My husband is Holy Ghost filled and walking in the anointing. I don't know about you, but it seems like I'm on the winning side. So quit telling me how much we're too much because it ain't too much because it's what works. It's like somebody telling Rambo, I told y'all, Rambo, that's too much. Dude, that's Rambo. I told somebody the other day, could you imagine me going to Ben Carson and telling him how to work on a brain? Ben, let me tell you how to work on this brain because I've studied it some. I've read on brains a little bit. And Ben Carson's like, dude, I've been doing brain surgery for many, many, many years now. And I'm like, yeah, but I know a little bit about it. I've been Googling it. Well, he's had surgeries that have came out well. I've never done the surgery. So just because it's in my brain, don't mean that I can pull it off. Don't tell me that I'm doing too much when you can't even quit your little sin. Don't tell me you've got more wisdom in God when you can't even quit with your little bitty strongholds. Don't tell me that you know more about what the Bible says when you ain't walked it out but three months. I had somebody tell me one time, they said, I don't have nobody that hates me. Everybody likes me. And I said, well, I'd be scared of that. I'd be scared to do that. Why ain't I making the devil madder than that? Matthew 23, verse 27 says this. Well, sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law and hypocrites, Pharisees, for you are like whitewashed tombs beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Outwardly, you look righteous, like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Well sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build tombs for the prophets your ancestors killed, and you desecrate the moments, the monuments of the godly people your ancestors destroyed, or decorate. Then you say, If we had lived in the day of our ancestors, we would have never killed them, joined them in killing the prophets. But in saying that you testify against yourself that you're indeed the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your ancestors started snakes and sons of vipers how will you escape the judgment of hell Jesus says (laughs) he says there I'm sending you prophets wise men teachers of religious law but you're going to kill some of them by crucifixion you'll flog others and whip them in their synagogues chasing them from city to city as a result you'll be held responsible for the murder of all the godly people of all time and then God goes on to say all the way from Abel man from those who killed at the temple between the sanctuary and the altar. I tell you the truth, this generation will fall on this very uh, this judgment will fall this very generation. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stalls God's messengers. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a head protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you would not let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. For I tell you this, you'll never see me again until you say blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is saying, you won't here see me again or feel my presence. I, your house will be desolate until you begin to bless those that come in the name of the Lord. He said, how I wanted to protect you, how I wanted to gather you in and protect you, but instead you stoned and attacked every person I ever told you, sent to you to tell you the truth and warn you. This is an ongoing theme throughout the whole Bible. Every time God would send someone to bring correction, every time God would send them to tell them and warn them, they would immediately turn on them and hate them. We don't want to hear what that guy says. We don't want to hear what they say. He says, I want to protect you, but I can't. Because if you don't listen to the people that God has sent to lead you and guide you, then God cannot wrap a hedge of protection around you. Guys, I want you to get this. There is safety in listening and being obedient. You don't know everything, and we're fighting a war for our souls right now. And the devil is ever so deceiving and cutting. He's cutting He's cutting. And if you can't represent, if you can't recognize those that have the anointing of God and the favor of God on their life, and you can't follow them that that, that walk in the power of the anointing of God, if you can't see it on them, then you can't see and hear from God. And the Bible says the main thing that we have to worry about these last days is not having ears to hear. We've got to keep our ears open. And you cannot say you love God if you don't love God's people. You can't say, well, me and Jesus have our old thing going. And I love Jesus so, so, so much, but I hate and I don't want to hear it. I close my ears to his prophets. The Bible even says that in the book of Jeremiah and other places. You close your ears when the prophets speak. You get angry and you don't want to hear it, but you say you love God. You can't love God if you don't recognize that it's God speaking to you. It's God speaking to you. I told somebody the other day, I said, have you ever thought about why the devil tells people that, that I want them to come to prayer meeting? I said, have you ever thought about that? I said, if we were hirelings, and it was all about money, we don't take up offering during prayer meeting. We don't pray for ourselves during prayer meeting. We pray for you. And I thought, does anybody ever want do they think it's just because I want their presence, they're so terribly bad, that I just, if I don't see them, that I'm just going to die on the inside? And so they get angry if you tell them that you need to be here. We ain't telling you you need to be here because it's help. What does it do for us? Let me ask you this. What is your presence at prayer meeting? We're not getting your money. Highlands don't have prayer meetings. I can tell you that. We're not getting your money. You know what highlands do? They preach their message. They go home. And the rest of their life is their own. And you make an appointment with them at so-and-so time with their secretary. And then you can speak to them. They don't lay on the floor on Friday nights till 11 and 12 o'clock at midnight some night squalling and crying and praying you through. Let me tell you this. I'm just going to say it. Find you a pastor besides the ones you see right here that'll do that. Because the 42 years, I ain't never seen one besides the ones that are dead right now. The generation that cared that much, they ain't, they ain't here no more. We don't do that because we just want to get... We're not getting nothing from it. We're giving. We're giving. If they're telling you that, it's because they're warning you. They're helping you. They're trying to save your soul. They're saying, come up here, and I'm willing to take my Friday night that I could be sitting at home with my husband and children and laughing and spending time around the family. Come here so that I can lay on the floor, and I can get you prayed through so that we know that you make it. That's love. It amazes me how the devil gets people mad about that. How dare they want to help me? How dare they push me to be there so that I'll live and survive In these last days, how dare they're pushing me to excellence? How dare they tell me that I need to give more to God? What would be their reasoning for that? There's got to be an ulterior motive for them to want me to be so in love with Jesus. What's the interior motive? Your soul. We love God's people. And we don't want to see anyone be lost. We want to see everybody that God sends here make it in the end. Romans twelve. Then I'm going to tell you a little story for I close. Don't just pretend to love them. This is one of my favorite verses. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, but hold tightly to what is good. It's easy to act nice on the outside. It's easy to give people stuff. It's easy to beat us on the outside. Man, it's easy to if somebody says, you know, they always say, I was hungry and you fed me. That's easy, man. If you've got food and somebody's hungry, it's easy to feed them. Really loving somebody is that you care more about them than you do yourself. Really loving somebody is being there for them and fighting with them and standing right beside them even when they're not perfect. Loving somebody is really being dedicated and saying, Hey, I'm with you. Loving somebody is just Hilara get those weird shirts made. Just to make their pastors know that some people are there and support them. It just says, I'm root. That's loving somebody. Because let me tell you something, you can look righteous, you can look holy, you can look like everything's together. Or you can look like some people that are broken and you might get in front of people like Justin does and say, Man, I've been being stupid lately. And not have it all together, but you're being real. You genuinely care about your people in your church. You genuinely care about your church family. You really care about them. And it's easy just to give something, but what about giving yourself Giving yourselves a whole different ballgame in it. It's easy to throw a $20 bill out there, but is it easy to spend three hours laying on the floor with them? Don't tell me you love somebody because you can be nice to them. Tell me you love somebody when, when you fight in the spirit form and you plead and you intercede and you sweat and you cry for hours so that they could find freedom. That's love. Love was what Jesus did on the cross. That's love, laying down your old self, your old life, because it means more to you to help other people. I'm going to skip some of the scriptures that I had, but Hebrews 13 and 7, just go straight to that one. Hebrews 13 and 7 says this, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. The Greek word for obey here is follow, place your confidence in, and let them persuade you. Obey, follow, listen to them. Place confidence in what they're telling you. Why? Because you've seen what the example of their faith, you've seen the good that has come for what they've done. The Bible tells us about the rich man and a man named Lazarus, the beggar that sat at his gates. And it says that when the rich man died, he went to a place called Hades. He went to a place where the souls of the, of, the, of the ungodly go. And Lazarus the beggar, he went to the place, Abraham's bosom, where the souls of the righteous go. And there's a great fix between the two. And, and those that are in Hades can see those that are in Abraham's bosom. And he said, oh God, if you would just let Lazarus come and just put a drop of water on my tongue. Guys, how important is it to get right and make sure that we're listening to the right voice and not messing up? It's eternally important. What deception? Even the elect can be deceived. How will you know if you're right? Your house will light up. Your life will light up. Those on your boat will light up. How do you know when your right sides, wonders, and miracles will follow you? You'll cast out devils, you'll pray at those. you'll have power when these things shall come upon you. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that. He said, if you'll just let him put a drop of water on my tug. And God said, I can't do that. And he said, Well, will you at least send somebody from the grave to go and tell my brothers not to get into this place? And God says, man, even if somebody came from the grave, they wouldn't listen. Because if they won't listen to my prophets, they're not going to listen. Even if somebody come from the grave, they won't listen. Because they wouldn't listen to my prophet. Why? Because God says, if you know me, you'll listen to my prophets. And those that don't listen to my prophets don't know me at all. My sheep will know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. If you're right with God, you will recognize those that are right with God and you will heed it and you will listen to it. And it won't matter if Sally Jane down the road says this or this or that, you'll know because of what you experienced. Somebody was talking to me about that the other day and we were saying something about the unforgivable sin and I said, calling what the Holy Ghost does, the devil That, you can't do that. And I said, I saw people get in a rebellious spirit. They'll leave this church after watching God touch them, heal them, do things for them, and then they'll go about and they'll dog out the people that God worked through and they'll act like it wasn't God. Let me tell you something. That is bad. You will flip into an evil person just like that. Why? Because you cannot call the works of God Satan. You can't do that. The works of the Holy Spirit. If God heals, it sets free and delivers, and then you go back and say, Ah, oh, it's the devil doing it. You can't do that. Acknowledge God as being God. He said, they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't even listen to my prophets. Guys, we've got to have ears to hear. We can't do that if we're prideful. We can't do that if we keep sin in our life. How did, why did somebody as close to Jesus as Judas end up being that deceived by the enemy? Because he would not let his heart get completely right. He didn't trust. So he didn't trust others. because he knew Maybe because he knew he wasn't trustworthy. I don't know. But I know one thing. Judas ended up being eat, slap up with demons. And ended up dead in a field somewhere. How much Jesus loved Judas. He was with him every day. How it hurt him. We've got to know. We've got to be able to recognize. And I'll close with this with Joseph. i mentioned it wednesday night because i've been reading studying genesis before and i'm in exodus but it stood out to me that when joseph was put before potiphar potiphar saw the favor of god in joseph's life he saw the goodness in god he saw the wisdom in joseph's life and so he said man i'm just gonna put him over everything i got i won't let him just run the show man a pagan a sinner And then he goes on and he gets thrown in jail because somebody lied on him. Somebody lied on Joseph. Joseph has never mentioned sin. It never mentioned that Joseph ever did anything morally wrong. Yet Joseph was lied on. What I find amazing is the mantle that Joseph wore, his dad's coat. His dad gave him a coat of favor, a coat of covenant. And they tried to strip it off of him. They tried to strip off the mantle that God had put on Joseph's life. And they tried to rip it to shreds. They were so jealous. The devil in them was so eat up. They tried to rip it off. They were rebellious. They hated the fact that Joseph was seeing things from God and he was right about it. They hated that Joseph knew things that they didn't know. They were like, that arrogant jerk, how dare he know things from God? So they tried to strip off his coat, take his mantle from him. They tried to throw him in the pit. But let me tell you something, throw me in the pit it I'll come up. Try to put me in jail, and man, I'll bring revival to the jail. Try to stop me, and God will just bless me wherever I'm at. Come against me, and God will just bless me more. Then Joseph ends up, and Potiphar's wife, what does she do? She rips off his coat. He was given a coat of authority once again. He was given a coat of authority once again. She couldn't get him to go and, and give up his integrity. If the devil can't give you to, get you to surrender your integrity, guess what he'll do? He'll get people to lie on you and pretend you did. He couldn't lose his integrity, so she tried to strip it off of him. And lie on him and get him put in jail. But then he got down there and the jailer saw the goodness of God on his life. The jailer saw the wisdom of God on his life. The jailer saw that he knew things that he couldn't know unless God told him. Let me tell you something. If people know things that Jesus said, I told you this so you'll know that I'm God. I told you something before it ever happened so you'll know it was God. If God, if God uses somebody to tell you something that they couldn't know, they, He uses God to, tell, to talk to somebody and tell you something that's going on that they don't even know that's going on yet, then listen to them. Because Jesus says, I did that so you would recognize the anointing of God on my life. So then He gets out there with the jailer, and the jailer recognizes that Joseph's anointed. His whole family didn't, but the jailer did. Potiphar did. Then he gets moved up. He helps both of them, but guess what? They forget about him. Well, one of them died. The other one forgets about him. He helped them, but then they forgot about him. Left him hanging. Ain't that the way it works? Guys in ministry, you're going to help people, then they're going to leave you hanging. Prepare your heart for that. He helped that guy when he was in need the most, and then that guy, as soon as he thought he was up a little bit, he forgot about him. But then one day, That guy remembered when things were desperate. Oh, how so many have turned on us. And then when things got desperate, they had to run back. Who's seen that a million times? When things got desperate, the Pharaoh was freaking out. He couldn't figure it out. He remembered Joseph. So Joseph got moved up. And what did the Pharaoh do? He saw the favor of God on Joseph's life. So he moved him up once again. He put a robe on him again. Let me tell you something, guys. The devil cannot strip the battle of God off of your life. It don't matter what happens. The devil can fight. He can kick. He can scream. But he cannot strip you of the battle of God upon your life if you have integrity. David prayed it like that. God, if you find any fault in me, then let me know. But God, if you don't, then take care of my enemies. I pray that so many times. I say, God, if there's any fault in me, then let me know. But if not, arise, God, and let my enemies be scattered. God, if I've done any fault, then you tell me. This morning, I want to tell you this. Humble yourselves. Because winning the war is more important than anything else. Guys, making it to the end is more important than anything else. We've got to survive. Our pride don't need to steal that from us. The little sins that destroy the vine. Listen, guys, if you keep little sins in your life, you're not tuned in right. Those little sins they make the tuning of your radio be staticky. You can't hear good because they're hindering your reception. Never think that you're listening to the voice of God if you're not in a place of fasting and prayer because you will get deceived on what voice you hear. Why do I tell you this? Because God always warns. Every time that I've ever gotten up and said, all right, God, God the devil's about to attack and this is what's going to happen, has that not always happened? Those that have been here since the beginning, raise your hand. It happens every time. Why? Because believe it or not, God gives shepherds vision. And i warned you this morning, tune your hearing in through humility. Tune in your hearing to humility. Get your love right. Get your love right. Man, if people have poured into you, that get your dedication right. The Bible says, "Do good, especially to those in the house of God." Especially to those in the house of God. Loyalty to God. Why do I have friends that I've had for years and years and years? Because I'm a loyal friend. Loyalty breeds loyalty. Truth breeds truth. They'll speak the truth straight to me because I always shoot it straight to them. Truth breeds truth. You can form a love with somebody that you can tell them pretty much anything and you're good. I can look at Greg and I can say pretty much anything to him and I don't have to worry about whether Greg's here in the next service. Why? Because we're fighting a battle together. He saw me intercede and pray for his children. I've seen him pray and intercede for my children. There's a bond that comes when we fight the good fight of faith together. And guys, we can win this thing in the end. Let me encourage you. Don't you dare get weary of well-doing. Don't quit loving people because people hurt you. Don't you dare quit giving your heart and your prayers to people because people let you down. Let me tell you something. You keep doing what's right. You keep doing what's right. You feed, you love, you nurture, you care, and you help God's people. And let me tell you something. It don't matter if they turn around and kick you in the face. You're doing it as you're doing it unto the Lord. All I care about is hearing well done by good and faithful servant. And I hope that's all you care about. And if that means if that means humbling myself, I'll humble myself. Some people think because I say things and, it, it, and I end up being right about that, things that prophet listen, you won't hear a lot of pastors get up and tell you, hey, I was praying, read the Bible, and I realized I was wrong about this, blah, 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 blah. They don't do that. Me and my friend Eleanor were talking about that the other day about a preacher that we knew. It's famous. He's wrote a lot of books, came out with a lot of stuff. He had gotten all tied up in this <sighs> prophetic mess that was a mess and not true. He had prophesied some things that didn't take place. And most of them just kept going and just saying, well, it was supposed to happen, but it didn't. Well, God, I think God knows that. I think God would have said, well, hey, well, this is supposed to happen, but it's not going to. He wouldn't have said it's going to happen. But this preacher humbled himself, and he got on social media, and he got on all of his platforms, and he said, I was wrong. Everything I said was wrong. I'm repenting. I got to where I was hearing the wrong voice. And he humbled himself. And he had sold a bunch of books, and I remember I saw a bunch of people going down his page saying, well, you going to give me the money back on all these books that says this and says that? And I my heart broke for him because I thought to myself, man, that's a tough right there. When you've got that many followers, that many people, and you have to come out and say, hey, man, I've been completely wrong. I've been hearing the wrong voice. and didn't even realize that I got carried away listening to the wrong people. I never liked the guy because I knew everything he was saying was fake, but man, I had such respect for them after he did that. I thought, man, his heart has to be good because there's no way he would have done that. We've got to have that kind of heart that where we could be like, man, I was wrong. I was straight up wrong. Because guess what? If Jesus comes back in the next year, we're going to learn more than what we know right now. If we keep walking with God, we're going to have more wisdom. And we're going to realize that we know more than what we did last year. Love and humility is what God spoke to me as the only way that we're going to survive this thing. If we're going to make it and not be deceived by all the many voices of deception in the end, all the warfare against our mind, against our heart, against our emotions, love and humility. If nothing else works, love works. If everything else fails, love works. If the devil fights my mind with every thought and everything that can come against it, if I love Ashton with all my heart, there's nothing he could do to fight me to make me stop loving her. That's why love always wins. If everything else fails, love will win. If we can love each other, then nothing can tear us from standing with each other and holding each other up. Stand to your feet. Man, I wish the world could could learn that and there wouldn't be so many marriages that are broken. There wouldn't be so many divorces if people would learn that love can conquer anything there's not a devil or a principality that love cannot conquer if you felt people really truly love you then let me tell you something that is something you don't get everywhere that is something you do not find everywhere you may go to churches and they may have great music they may have great things but they don't, if you find people that truly genuinely love you that is rarity in these days because the Bible says the last days the love of many will grow cold. I'm so grateful that I have people in my life that genuinely love me, that will stand with me and pray with me and be there for me. That's something that is such a blessing from God. I want to be that person for others. Do you? I want to be that person for others. I love the fact that when Joseph's brothers came back and God used him to heal them, to help them, to bring them out, that Joseph loved them so much that he broke down squall and he went not mad at them, he loved them. He was so ready to help them. How many of you here says, man, I want my love to be pure. I want my love to be pure. I want my heart to be pure. Because guys, this warfare is so tough out here. If we don't make it, it's going to be bad. It ain't like we're going to lose a little bit. We're going to lose a lot. And I tell you that as a pastor this morning because our hearts have been broken where we've seen so many people that have lost so much. People that had a chance. They didn't take it. They let the enemy deceive them and he tore everything in their lives to shreds. This morning... I want us to make it. If you will come, come up this morning and we're going to pray. God perfect our love, humble us God and give us ears to hear. God let us listen to the right voice, God to a strange voice we will not follow. Oh God save us God. Lord, from the enemy's deceptions, save us, God. Lord, from the enemy's plans, God, to trick us, God, and root us, in God, and to begin to destroy. Father, God, Lord, I don't want to see that. I say it. Lord, God, I don't want to shut that. I see. Father, God, Lord, let our love, God, Lord, be perfected in this house. God, Lord, let us love each other with all of our heart, all of our mind, God, all of our strength, God, as we love you, Jesus. Father, God, build us up, God, Lord, to stand together. God, to hold each other's up. God, Lord, to hold each other's hands up during war. Father, God, to support one another. God, to intercede. God, to pray for each other, God. Lord, God, Lord, that if one of us is hurt, God. Lord, that all of us, God, are standing together, God, to be in the brokenness, God. Oh God, Lord, take away judging. God, take away. God, fault finding. God, take away. God, Lord, issues. God, Lord, God, that we have God. Lord, Lord, remove of God right now in the name of Jesus. God, that we can make it. God, Lord, in the end. God, we're too close. God, Lord, to be tricked now. God, we've come too far, God. Oh, no, as you pray this morning, begin to say, God, open my ears. God, to hear your voice. God to recognize God, Lord, your voice. God, don't let me be deceived, God, this close to the end.